Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self worst Okay, hi, 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 oh, oh, hi, huh, uh, uh, hi, hi everybody Welcome to another episode of Self Worst uh, I'm Brad Pearson I know I've been dropping these on you, you know, pretty intermittently uh, pretty randomly, but uh, that's it. That's such as it is. It's just that's how it. That's how it be. I don't know. It's chaos. It, that's just that's just the way I've been able to produce them and put them out. It's sort of yeah, kind of every two weeks, kind of every month. I don't know. Whatever. And that's that's cool. I think that's the good way of doing it. Keep you on your toes. So you're surprised whenever a new episode comes around. It's not just every week. Predictable. Banal, like everything else. You get a surprise. Surprise. It's a new episode. Boom. Anyway, here we are. It's late November. We're in the gloom. The gloom is upon us. We're in the dark season. The dark time. Uh, it's... It's gross it's cold and rainy today and it fucking gets dark at like 3 30 p.m and uh it's a, a hostile inhospitable world what are you gonna do you gotta just embrace it it's the only way you gotta just adjust to a different uh equilibrium with the world around you you might have a little less energy but don't let it completely beat you into the ground do what you can to stay energized Stay productive, keep things moving, just keep a little bit of blood flowing. But if you can't do as much shit as you could during the summertime, during the light time, don't sweat it. Don't let it get in your head, because that's just going to make you spiral and get worse and worse. You got to just kind of chug along, make your own progress, focus on your own shit, right? Okay. This week, we're talking to Mishka Shubali. He's a writer, musician, comedian, podcaster. He does it all. He does all kinds of shit. And let me tell you, if you are a fan of this show, such as uh, and the topics that we deal with, you're gonna like you're gonna like Mishka and all of his work. Uh, he's got a couple of books that I've read. I've read a good amount of his work. I read The Long Run. Uh, I read. Uh, I swear I'll make it up to you one day. Just, I think a, just a later compilation of a lot of his other writing. I'm not really sure. It's it's mostly autobiographical uh, tales of uh, you know just just being a fucking crazy, depressed, degenerate drug addict uh, and his misadventures in New York, and then getting his shit together and getting sober, becoming a long distance runner balancing, managing his life with all his big brooding feelings still floating around in his head and managing to keep it together and live a good life. So check it out. I think you would like it. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's like if, uh, he's like if, if your host was, was more talented and accomplished. Kind of a similar vibe though. Um, it's great. L- listen to his audiobooks. 
that's one of my favorite ways to, uh, you know, you know, I like an audiobook because uh, I am not good at reading off of a page because I have ADHD brain and I'm stupid. Um, but I can listen to it. I can ingest a whole audiobook in like a day. And Mishka reads them himself. And he's got this great voice. It's like gravelly, fucking deep, brooding voice. Um, and it's not a put on. That's just how the man talks. He's just kind of like that. Like you think at first glance, like, oh, he's being pretentious. He's like trying to do like a Tom Waits voice. But like, no, that's just his voice, man. He's just that kind of guy. He just goes on a camping trip shoots a rabbit for dinner and then cooks it in a shovel. He really did that. Cooked a rabbit rabbit over a fire in a shovel because he didn't have any other gear with him because he forgot it. Anyway, he's that kind of guy. So keep that in mind as you're listening to this. And let's just go to the interview. I don't got a whole big fucking rant. I'm too tired. I got shit to do. I got... I got Not today. Oh, one other little thing about this episode is, uh, you know, we had some connectivity issues What with the, the Zoom interface. Uh, there was a little bit of lagging. There was some freezing. I did my best to cut it together in a way that, that makes sense. Um, but there's there's still, a, like, a couple of parts that you'll hear a little bit of, like, skips over, like, a syllable or two. But you can still make out what he's saying. It happens. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. Uh, ugh, I fucked up by having a show on the internet. I don't know. It's, it, it's deal with it. Sorry. Um, shut up. I'm doing my best. Let's just let's just listen to the fucking thing. The, what is the theme of this show? I agreed to do this with no idea. Of what we're gonna <laughs> I I admire that honestly. I I like the uh, the kind of the the gung ho just go in kind of guns blazing thing. Um, so the theme of the show we mostly talk about mental health, uh, labor, shitty jobs, and um, and and you know uh, art. Um, so I can do that. I feel like, yeah, I was thinking I've been waiting for a while to, you know, to, to talk to you and thinking about like, you know, I've, I've done some preparation, but I was thinking about it just today. And I was like, I mean, his whole thing is like bad mental health, bad jobs and art. Like that's his whole vibe. I could just kind of give you that prompt and just let you go on it. So I, I think, you know, we will have plenty to go on. Right on. Yeah, uh, so I, you know, wanted to start with like, you know, wh- where are you at right now? Are you are you in Arizona still? You're like Carmen San Diego. I can never tell where you actually are. I uh, I am a big fan of the Rockapella. Um, I yes, I am. Uh, I am back in the desert hellhole of uh, the cultural wasteland of Phoenix, Arizona. I was in uh, Athens, Ohio, for most of the summer, and then drove down to Austin to do altercation uh, mm-hmm. comedy festivals in Bisbee, and then. Now I'm back, and boy, are my jokes tired. Um, <laughs> I, that is too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah great, man. Um, so, where should we even start, man? It's, uh, you know, I, I've uh, I've read a lot of your writing, um, 
And I guess I wanted to first start with like asking you um, a, 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 about that and kind of like how you view yourself uh, primarily as an artist. Because I, I would guess that you still kind of like you see yourself, I think, primarily as a musician. Um, however, so many people, I think, know of you as as a writer now at this point, and maybe even like more people are glomming on to you as a comic as well. So um, what would you say kind of comes first for you or is there a first? Man, it's weird. Um, the I mean, that's the thing about being an artist, you know, unless you're like pink. Uh, you know, unless your your uh, your name is one word, mm -hmm. then people understand always understand you in different ways depending on how they experience you. You know the um, the you know the thing about New York and L.A. about oh everybody's your waiter is actually a screenwriter. Well, if you encounter them as a waiter, they're actually a waiter. If you encounter them as a screenwriter, they're a screenwriter making ends meet as a waiter. You know, so the I don't know who I am or what I do. You know, <laughs> I. Um, I write depressing songs, uh, some of which have funny parts, and uh, I like to tell jokes on stage and tell sad stories about my life. Um, I'm a writer as well. The, I mean, one of the things that I, you know, sort of struggle with when I meet somebody and they're like, "Oh, I'm a big fan," and I'm like, "Well, which, which part are you a fan of?" Because you're probably not a fan of everything, because nobody's a fan of everything. Um, everybody has, you know, people I encounter always have strong appealing or strong feelings that like well, you're, you're really a writer or you're really a musician or you should really do this. You should focus on this instead of that. Um, I'm just doing anything that I can to avoid having a regular job. Fair enough. Do you, you know? Have you ever encountered anybody who's like, I really liked your work as a bouncer, actually? That was when you were really... <laughs> Not a lot of fans of my work as a bouncer. I actually, I uh, we had a... Uh, we had a party here. We did a house show here for uh, Ariel Isaac Norman from Austin. And one of my neighbors uh, showed up wasted and uninvited and uh, picked a fight with Ariel. And I was like, eh, you got to go, buddy. And you know, it's just the bouncer instincts like right. kicked in. You had to go back to like, the old oh. you. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm going to finish my drink. And I was like, fuck that, bro. You didn't fucking pay for a drink. This isn't a bar. I didn't invite you in. And and then he like planted his feet and I smacked the drink out of his hand and like dragged him to the door. And it, it's, it's funny because I, I haven't worked in a bar for a long time, but like you learn that shit and it just like, you know, and then also at like right at the door, he's like, come on, hit me. And I was like, no, the, whenever somebody tells you to hit them, it's never a good idea. The, yeah. the time that you want to hit somebody is not when they're telling you to hit them. He was looking for a fucking lawsuit or something. So yeah. Pushed him out and then he egged my house from his backyard. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> In Arizona too, the heat, that's really the, a... The price of eggs, bro. Fries as soon as it hits the house. Yeah. I mean, you're a pretty big dude, so I feel like you, you, um, you, know, you, you have an imposing... Uh, frame and figure, so I, I think uh, telling yes, somebody to fuck off like that isn't isn't so much a, a like hard like it's it's not a problem for you, right? Yeah, no. The but also like um, the wonder of alcohol is that it um, everybody's like, oh, I'm the champion of the world. Nobody can beat me. Mm -hmm. um, and I've lost a bunch of fights to smaller guys, so like I don't, uh, you know. I, I try not to take anything for granted, but I, I did feel very comfortable, you know, when they were like, Hey, Mishka, this, we need your, the, I did feel very comfortable. I have large privilege, you know, yeah. the, I, I felt comfortable going over there and that it was a situation I could take care of, you know? 
Yeah, I'm 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 uh, a good six feet tall, uh, so I'm not a tiny guy. Uh, it never really occurred to me until later, uh, like what tall privilege is until like I really like getting on the dating scene and and hearing about like all these guys who are like really butt hurt because like girls only want a guy who's like six feet or higher, and I was just like, oh, that's never been an issue. Like I don't think I've ever met somebody who you know doesn't want to fuck me because I'm too short. They they don't want to fuck me for other reasons. You know, like it's it, height has never been the the, the problem. You know, I was focused on all this other stuff and people were like, man, you don't know how good you got it. You're six feet tall. Like, it's a done deal for you. And I'm like, I guess. The Yeah. You know, sorry, I'm making tons of noise here. The, when I lived in New York, um, you know, people would always say, oh, you know, this neighborhood, is it a good neighborhood or is it a bad neighborhood or whatever? And uh, I was always like, I'm the wrong guy to ask because the not, you know, not that I'm, I'm not fucking the rock, but yeah. um, if somebody's out to, to mug somebody or steal their phone or whatever, there's always like, I'm, I'm, I'm never the easiest target. There's always yeah. somebody who's easier to fuck with. You know? Yeah. Um, in your writing, you growing up, you, you did get bullied a lot though and pushed around physically. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit and, and like the transition from, from like getting, you know, picked on and fucked with to, you know, being the big guy who people don't want to fuck with? Yeah. I mean, the big thing about kids is that you can tell them or that they're a piece of shit or that they're a pussy enough. They believe it. And, um, you know, so I, I, um, I, I believed all those things for a long time. And then, um, I think when I was like 21, I won a fight with a guy who was like quite a bit or he wasn't bigger than I was, but he was a big dude. And, you know, then I sort of started to realize that I, um, that, that I was a bigger guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still like the, there was a time where you could do the bar. You could do the door at a bar in relative comfort, knowing a couple of moves you'd learn from like a hockey enforcer. Mm -hmm. But now that everybody knows MMA, the there is some like five eight guy who's more than happy to put you in a fucking arm bar and like yeah. ruin your night, you know. So um and also everybody has fucking guns. So right in most situations I I tend to be the like um hey let's talk about this outside and then get them outside and then lock the door. <laughs> right. Like, now you're outside, you know the but you know when somebody was like in my yard I was like yeah let's see if this muscle the bouncer muscle still works and hey it still works mm -hmm. I, masculinity is such a trip because i think having grown up as like a kid who you know was just really told like you're a little bitch and like you're you know uh like a dweeb and like a target for bullies uh the way that you grow up out of that and and then all of a sudden have an adult body and adult agency uh can be really i mean we've seen the kind of like danger and destruction that that that, that kind of chip on a particular shoulder can can really have yeah. um and i don't quite think it gets talked about enough uh the sort of the the like boyhood trauma of getting fucked with and getting threatened and getting hurt 
translating into like an adult body. And now all of a sudden you are the bigger person and you're capable of all of this stuff and how that perpetuates itself. It, it, it can be really bad news, right? Yeah. It's, um, there is, you know, it just, you know, that thing that we carry so much shit with us that, you know, the, like all the stuff is pumped into our heads when we're little kids, the, um, we carry all that shit with us, uh, our whole lives. And it's like, you imagine the mind to be much more elastic than your corporeal form, but the opposite is true. It's like, so once something gets imprinted in your mind, then it sort of stays there forever. Um, and I've been, I've been really lucky. I've been a very, you know, um, I'm doing it again. I haven't been very lucky. I was born with natural gifts and I've worked my ass off and I've mm -hmm. been successful. And I, but I tell myself you've been lucky, you know, the, um, that it, you know, it could have happened for anybody or anybody could do what I've done. And the, and, and that's not true. Um, the, I'm like so reluctant, you know, and part of that is privilege of like having access to an education and being fucking tall, white, male, good looking with like a fucking deep voice. I mean, uh, there is a lot of privilege there, but also like I have, I was born with skills that I, or born with, um, if that then I developed, um, for a long time and I have worked my ass off and like put my time in, but the, Every, every night when I go to sleep, I forget all the successes that I've had, all the cool things that I've done. And I, every morning when my alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, you piece of shit. You got to get up and go to seventh grade. And yeah. like, everybody's going to fucking shit on you on the bus. Yeah. And like, you're going to get your ass kicked and they're going to steal your shoes. And like, you know, so we do sort of flash right back that, you know, that the childhood shit is so important. You know, I was, uh, my mom lives down the street and we're catching up because I haven't seen for a couple of months and we were talking last night and um and she was you know we were talking about my dad and what a piece of shit he is and she was like oh you know the god there was this camping trip that you know he was going to take take with you kids that like he'd been meaning to do it for six weeks and then something came up at work and he said he wasn't going to be able to go and then um but I told him he had to and so you know he took your sister for a couple of days and then came back and then took you and I was like wait, he didn't want to go on that camping trip. That's one of my few happy childhood memories with my father was that he spent like three days with me that we went camping and fishing together, like just the two of us. And it, whenever I'm doing that arithmetic in my head to take measure of him as a man and as a human being, was, was he good? Was he bad? The, um, I, that's always something in the good column. But now like I just found out last night that like, he didn't want to do that. He only did that. Cause my mom was like yelling at him to do it. And it's man, it's fucked with me all day, yeah. you know, thinking that this, Oh, this one. And I was like, mom, you fucking loser. Why didn't you dump him then? <laughs> You know, instead of sticking it out for like another 15 years or something like that, you know, that, that should have been your wake up call. But yeah, I heard recently, I think it was on, uh, our friend Jake's podcast. Uh, you were talking about how you, in one of your books, you have this like beautiful reconciliation with your dad and you find this like letter that he had supposedly written and, and it was this like beautiful 
moment and then you told him later that you found out that like actually that was all kind of bullshit and he was sort of lying and it wasn't really what it seemed and like all of these yeah, like, nice moments that you yeah, thought it, you had with your dad like that you hold on to and then they just then you like the the longer you live the the more they just get like oh nope that also sucked so he also sucks there too cool great it i mean parents are a reliable source of disappointment um you know the I guess we're, yeah, I guess we're going to talk about kids. The, the, the interesting thing, I mean, my mom has done shit like that to me too. You know, when I was a kid, I would have night terrors all the time. And I remember her telling me one night, you know, if you sleep straight, you won't have nightmares. And I was like, oh, I guess I was sleeping curled up in a ball and that gives you nightmares. And so then I started sleeping like just straight and I stopped having nightmares. And then like, Years, you know, 10 years later, I went to thank her for explaining to me how to sleep correctly. So um, I wouldn't have And she looked at me and she was like, Mishka, that, I never did that. That's not true. What probably happened is that, like, you were having a nightmare again and I was sick of dealing with you. And I just said, like, straighten out. But in my head, it was my mother as, like, this angel of mercy explaining to me how my nightmares would end. Mm. And it worked. You know, and then when she told me that, I was like, mom, you fucking bitch. Now I'm going to start having nightmares again. Have you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Shit, that sucks. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's almost beautiful in a way that like kids, like they'll find their own way to like, sort of like, even if their parents aren't giving them the thing they'll, they need, they'll just be like, well, then I'll just make up a thing that will work. That will get me through this. That's, you know, kids are like Dave Chappelle, super smart and super fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, kids just have like so much fucking horsepower in their heads, you know, the, the computing power learning, you know I mean? The, the thing about like, um, like a program, like, um, to, to crack a, like a, a cybersecurity of just like bombarding this thing with numbers mm -hmm. again and again and again to, to try and solve the thing. And that like, that's what kids brains are doing. It, the, you know, Marvel superheroes who have yet to control, you know, to learn how to control their powers or whatever. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's sort of like easily used against them. And that's why I don't have children. Uh, I'm, you know, the, with, uh, with great power comes great responsibility and fuck that. Same. I, uh, I, yeah. I do not feel the need to bring a clone of myself into this world. Yeah. I think I'm good on, on, on all of that. Like I, I can handle dog. Dog is great. You know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm actually very excellent dog dad, but, uh, you know, we've, my partner and I have, have made the decision that we're, we're not going to, uh, bring any, uh, more children into this horrible, filthy world. So let's talk a little bit more about your, your writing. Um, how did you, I mean, how how did you start? Like how how do you like? Because I have always wanted to write stuff, and I'm mystified by people who can who can actually just like turn out a thing without getting distracted or letting it fall by the wayside. It just seems like a level of concentration that like is is insane. I mean, yeah, it is. I I'm, I. I had i'm fortunate that that i was born when i was um because 
if I had been born 10 years later with the distractions of the internet and cell phones and stuff like that, I never would have done a fucking thing. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I can tell from, I still remember the first text message I received, you know, the, I, um, and the first, first cell phone I had and stuff like that. Now that I have, you know, people are like, Oh, here's, you know, here's my reading list for the year. I don't fucking read anymore. I read like, I read news compulsively. Um, and I will read, uh, you know, a book if it's assigned or, you know, I, I'll read my like teaching materials before I teach. Um, or if I have a client where I need to read one of their books or something like that, I'll read that. But you know, my, my attention span is gone just from people all the time saying my story or how do I write or how do I do this? You just fucking do it. There were nobody had, uh, you know, um, Chaucer didn't read writing for dummies and then just like, Oh, okay. This here's the outline. You mm -hmm. just fucking do it. You just sit down, you put your pen on the paper and you sit there and you suffer until you can't bear it anymore. <laughs> you know, the, um, you try to secret yourself away, you know, if you have a shed or the, like an open grave or something that you can just sit in so that it's just you and, um, and your notebook or a computer with no Wi-Fi. Um, the, and, you know, sit down to write, then that's how it's done. You, you sit there and you bombard the lock with numbers until it opens. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really how it's done. There's a lot of instructional books and, you know, I, um, I was fortunate. Mom was always a great champion of my writing, um, from when I was a little kid. Um, so at, as soon as I had any kind of like creative writing classes, um, in, fourth grade, fifth grade, we did free writing and journaling and stuff like that. Um, and then she just did everything she could to, to make that door open for me. So, you know, I had writing classes in, in high school and sort of learned how to write a paper and then learned how to write a story. Um, I, you know, I read a ton when I was a kid, um, which I hope compensates for me just watching house reruns now instead yeah. of fucking reading um <laughs> but the that's i mean that's writing a book is a psychotic enterprise to say oh i'm gonna sit down and do this archaic thing that like nobody does anywhere i'm gonna write down my fucking feelings or i'm gonna create a, a that they're gonna sit here and not look at boobs on their phone and instead they're gonna read my words it's uh, i mean it's you know, we should all be like Ted Kaczynski sitting out in the woods writing manifestos because that's the that is a, a level of commitment, you know, that it takes. But there are some things in life that there are just there's no hacks for like the hack is just work incredibly hard for an incredibly long time. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, with, with like it. almost zero reward or chance of success. And like that's yeah. I mean, again, like you've had moments of luck. I think like landing the, like the, the audible deal was, was huge, but you know, like I also don't want to like discredit you by saying you got lucky. Like you are somebody who's been fucking, uh, just grinding away and getting back up and getting back in your stance every time, um, for a long time. And that's the result. I think too, though, that charitable, and I think I'm not being hundred percent honest. I was incredibly lucky to meet Dave Blum, my editor, first at New York Press, then at Amazon, then at Audible, because what he did, you know, there was a long time when I was, um, 
when I was a teenager, when I was in my twenties, where I was super motivated and I would like, I would try for everything, everything that came up, I'll submit something for that. I'll submit something for that. I'll try this. I'll try a book, try writing a memoir. And I was, um, I had given up, like I was done. It was over for me. I was ready to get a job driving a forklift. And then I had, I had enough in me to submit one more thing. And I submitted one more thing. And then he was like, oh, why don't you write a feature story for the New York, New York press? And then another, and then another, and then the Amazon thing. Yeah. And then Dave kept giving me assignments and he believed in me. And, um, you know, so he really, uh, it was sort of like, you know, the, the path is this, like when you're playing a video, video game sometimes and like one lock will like, change color slightly you're like oh it's the, um that's what that's what blum did for me like the push on this block you know the um he would give me topics he would encourage me he would tell me when i wasn't meeting his expectations yeah. um and that that guidance and that leadership really helped me he i don't think he really ever told me one word of write like this don't write like that that kind of thing um and that was maddening because i wanted him to tell me what to do how to do it what the method yeah. was um but the method is just that you waste so much time doing it and try yeah that if you're lucky like me then you meet a guy like blum who will mm -hmm. um, continue to sort of bait you in a way that's that's very helpful for you that helps you continue to make progress you know that's the other thing is like I think having somebody else that you are accountable to is enormous. Like ha having somebody else who you're beholden to in the creative process, um, which is why I, I think so many solitary art forms, such as you know, writing or or just like two D art, um, unless you have a collaborator or an editor or something like that, like breathing down your neck and telling you like you got to get this done by this time, babe got to happen um yep. then it doesn't happen and like you know like i've found that not only with creative work but also especially i think probably with exercise um pushing yourself through something that is uncomfortable and gross uh and 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 you don't really want to do when you start but you'll feel better when you are finished uh it's so much easier when there's so someone else telling you when and where to do that. Like if you're doing it with a class that starts at nine 30 and you got to be there at nine 30, then it's so much easier than just like having a kettlebell in your room and you can kind of do it whenever you can kind of stop whenever you can kind of, you know, like my whole life has been like, as a real ADHD person, uh, there's, uh, the, the Elliot Smith line, a junkyard full of false starts, you know, like, like, a uh, just, a this, this long litany of like projects that I was real excited about and then got distracted and then moved on to something else and, or like got discouraged with it. Nobody was pushing me through the threshold of, of like dragging me, kicking and screaming to, to actually finish the thing. It's the discipline aspect that just really, evades me anyway i mean i think that there are smart things that you can do you know to 
um, I used to do like exercise challenges where I would post, all right, we're going to run, everybody's going to run three miles a day for the whole month. And then I had to do it. Yeah. But now at this point, I've failed enough of those that I feel like I can't do it again. Are you still running? But, uh, yeah, I, um, I took a lot of time off this summer. Um, and then I had a foot problem that I was like trying to sort out, but mm -hmm. then I've run the last two days without any pain. So that's, um, I'm going to take tomorrow off and then I'm going to go back out on Saturday. Um, but you know, the, if you're, you know, tell people or post on your fucking Facebook, Twitter, whatever you're, you know, whatever people are using all 10 pages on my novel this month into it, or just make it more convenient to do the thing than to not do the thing. So put the kettlebell in front of the fridge. <laughs> so that you can't open the fridge unless you move the kettlebell and mm -hmm. then you're like okay i'm gonna do five or ten swings every time i open the fridge you know shit like that um but it's it's really hard you know i mean i um i really struggle to get shit done and i you know i've been threatening to i've been threatening to, to finish this record for like two years now and um you know, I keep threatening to write something new, but pain and fear are incredible motivators. Mm. Um, the, you know, another one is money or mm -hmm. like contracts. If you sign a deal and then they give you money, you have to write the fucking thing. Yeah. Like the, there's no way out. And the fact get your ass in the chair, turn off the Wi-Fi, set an alarm on your phone for fucking two hours or an hour or three hours, whatever you can handle. Yeah. And then do the fucking work, you know, just, just do the thing. Um, it is, you know, and as I'm saying this, I mean, like such a hard ass about it. I feel for everybody who's struggling to do something and not doing it. You know, the, um, I'm in, I have, a, I'm in a really lucky situation now where, um, if I post something, people read it. And if I don't post something, people are like, Hey, why haven't you posted anything? Mm. And, um, you know, I have people contacting me to write stuff or pushing me to write stuff or, um, so, you know, even on days where I'm like, Oh, that's it. I'm just gonna, I'll do anything, but write. you know, then I, I still have, you know, me in that direction but part of that too is like muscle memory you know or that i've built a life for myself where people conceptualize me as a writer or a musician so then there is that expectation yeah yeah it's it's hard i mean like with me even putting this podcast out like i think one this... one and i'm just, i'm blathering here no it's okay that's what you're here for oh the um the labor thing the job thing i think i learned so much about how to operate creatively by working shit jobs and yeah. um and i hate shit jobs and i don't want anybody to work them longer than two years right but everybody should work a fucking dog like dog shit menial labor job for two years amen when you have to cook 50 pounds of bacon like the you know what they do in israel with the the military service sure <laughs> I mean, the, the other things that they're doing that with all of that is not so good. You but. have to work in a fast food. In a, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I, as, as soon as I mentioned, that, I was like, "Ooh, read the room." <laughs> but instead of military service in America, you should be conscripted and you have to go and work 
fucking Arby's. Um, you have to work the register and you have to make food and you have to clean the bathrooms for like two years. That will be our military service. And then when you have to write five paragraphs, you'll just sit down and fucking do it because that's the job that needs to get done. And the only way it's going to get done is your order, right? You won't be such a prick about it. You'll be like, oh, that, well, I know what that's yeah, like. That absolutely. sucks. So I, you know, a, a little more understanding for those people. The, um, but yeah, the, the whole thing of like, oh, innovation, it's fucking bullshit. You know, the um, the way you write is not to wait to get an idea or to think about a thing. The way you write is you start moving your hands. Mm -hmm. You start you start typing, <laughs> even if you're just making, if you're just fucking making noise. One of the things that I do for my students, is, you know, I say, okay, we're going to do a six minute writing exercise here. What you're going to take out your pen, take out your paper. And for the next six minutes, you're just going to make uppercase uh, cursive L's. So just that figure of an L over and over yeah. and over again for six minutes, unless, unless there's something else you would rather write. You have to write the entire time. You have to write the entire six minutes and you, and you must write L's unless you have a better idea. And everybody just, they write L's for, they do, six L's and then immediately abandon that because it's so boring and it's so dull. And then they write the thing that they have to write or that mm -hmm. they're avoiding. Yeah. That's what's up. I mean, I, um, I'm not good at writing, but I am good at sadistic te teaching exercises, you know, <laughs> that's what you need. I mean, like pain. I, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you just said. Pain's a big motivator. I think I've said this thing myself about like, uh, conscription into a, a, a working class job uh, for, for everybody in America. Mostly, I, I think just to, I mean, A, there's the discipline of like doing shit you don't want to do. But I think B, like for me, like it's mainly uh, a, a motivation to just like have people stop uh, being such cunts to service workers all the time. You know, like that's, that's I think, what I really motivates me with with that philosophy but um yeah i th i think we also um we share a, a propensity for um kind of a punishing uh almost masochistic uh sport and exercise um i know like marathon running is fucking brutal and painful and it it can be torturous um i know you've done some kickboxing uh i i do uh do kickboxing and i love it um and the pain aspect of it is part of what is uh, appealing about it to me. And I don't really know what exactly it is, but there's something about like, you know, like I brought my, uh, like I tried to get my girlfriend into it and she was like, no, it hurts my hands and my, my legs when I hit the bag. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it great? And she's like, no, are you crazy? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am. I want the pain. It feels good. It makes me feel alive. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like, what do you think it is about certain people that, that makes us want to um, hurt ourselves? Well, well I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, it, one of the things is that you know, if there's if there's crickets chirping in your backyard and then uh, an 18 wheeler goes by, you don't hear the crickets. Mm -hmm. Right. And in the same way that like cutters use pain to silence sort of um, 
you know, mental anguish or mental pain that I, I you know, I think that, you know, brutal exercise does a, a similar thing of, um, I mean, I, I remember like training kickboxing and just like going out and sparring like night after night with a buddy and the, and when I would like one, when I did well, um, that brought me less peace than when I got my clock cleaned. Mm-hmm. And I, um, and maybe it's, maybe it's just the, you know, the dying brain cells felt good, but I, I think, um, people are like, Oh, what do you love about running? And I'm like, well, it feels so good when I stop, <laughs> you know, yeah. It, running makes everything else feel better, like feel better because it's not running, you know, the, um, so there's definitely, you know, when I was writing though, when I was like writing my book and I was training like kickboxing at the same time, I had to, I had to change around my schedule because, uh, training kickboxing, like relaxed me so much that I wouldn't be able to write afterwards. Mm -hmm. It like, silent i i you need a certain amount of anxiety or um irritability or something to sit down and write and uh and kickboxing just like tapped me out and blissed me out so much that then i was like oh i no longer need to write yeah so i had to i, I figured out that i if i was going to write i had to do it before i you know before we had kickboxing sessions Right. Yeah. That that kind of makes sense in a way. Like you, uh, like some people, you know, who, who decide like they won't nut until they do something. Uh, cause like the, the, the pent up energy is what kind of gets them going. And afterward they're just sort of like, okay, cool. Great. I feel fine. You know, time for a nap. The, uh, the, the whole like no nut November shit that seems <laughs> fucking preposterous to me. Absolutely not. But all, no. but as somebody who subscribes to a lot of like completely preposterous shit, I admire like how fucking ridiculous that is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I admire the spirit of it, but I'm also like, no, bro, couldn't be me. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's funny. Like I, like my experience with a lot of that stuff, um, you know, like my main, like I, I, I would never, I wouldn't call myself like, um, a, an addict. And I, I don't think like I, I have that particular gene in, in my, in my, uh, uh, litany of mental illnesses. Like that's just not one of them. But, um, a lot of like I've I've always felt sort of a uh, kinship with people who struggle with 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 addiction um, because there is a certain level of emotional dysregulation and intensity that is that that people who use to excess are often trying to uh, kind of quench right um, so. What I found with uh, doing martial arts was that the the pain kind of the pain and the unpleasantness and the intensity of it scratched that particular itch. And I was no longer flying off the handle. I was no longer having these like rage blackouts. I was no longer doing like the things that I really wanted to stop doing because nobody wants to be a fucking angry, red faced white guy, you know, like it was just a thing that I knew I had to get under control. Um, and, and the intensity of it was, was perfect 
for what I needed to get out of my system. I I mean, I think there's an easy connection there between fucking no nut November, you know, is that like the, like, why would somebody do something like that? And it's like, and I, I think it's the, what's, what is the evil they're trying to combat is not the nutting but the desire to nut mm-hmm. and then to say, I'm not going to jerk off for a whole month or I'm not going to sleep with my partner for a whole month. What you're just doing is like creating this like stagnant cesspool of desire where it's like curdling. Um, and the, you know, we live in this sort of, um, a very yoga world of like, you know, Oh, just let it go. You know, that anger is toxic mm-hmm. and, um, it's fucking bullshit, man. Anger is a natural human emotion like any other. And, and in particular, anger is something that I don't think that we've ever found a way to just sort of like breathe deep and like, let it go. Like it always comes out yeah. somewhere else, you know? And that's one of the things that I think is, is very healthy about like extreme exercise or combat sports or something like that is, you know, I mean, I remember like getting dumped in Brooklyn. Like I went to go have a hard talk with, a, you know, with a, my girlfriend and she was like, here's your stuff. And I was like, fuck, I, you know, and I was driving home and I had my like boxing gear in my car and I stopped at the gym and I did 10 rounds on the heavy bag and I had the fucking thing like, you know, horizontal, you know, for the rounds. Mm-hmm. And then I went home and I, slept and I woke up and I was okay. And it was just that I had to express all that, you know, my, my anger, my frustration, that, that specific sensation of, Oh, adding one more false start to the junkyard, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, I would, w- you know, will this ever work? W- am I, this is proof that I'm useless or that no unlovable that I will die alone and just feeling all those feelings and like letting them flow through me and expressing them. Like I definitely exhausted myself, but I, um, I didn't hurt myself. I didn't hurt anybody else. Yeah. I was sore the next day, but I was like, oh man, I can do fucking 10 rounds at like, you know, full exertion. Like that's good. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a, it has to get out. Like I started doing boxing as at the behest of my therapist of all people. They suggested it. Like it, it was like anger was a thing that we were working on. And they, you know, they told me like, hey, I think you think that you can like charge up all of this anger in your body and and, and then it's just going to like disappear. But it doesn't. It's somatic. You have to get it out of you. It's an energy. It there is like there is like it, it's it sounds sort of you know woo woo like some sort of like chi thing but like it is a you know a soft science hard to quantify kind of force like whatever you want to call it there is this like electricity that builds up in you and uh for whatever reason i've got a big charge you know like it's it's not really something that was ever modeled to me my dad is uh, gentle as as a as a panda but like it's you know 
it just is just in me and I don't really know why, but it, it, it has to get out somehow. You know, I used to shit on all the woo woo stuff, but it's like every year they're like, coffee's good for you. And then the next year it's like, coffee's bad for you. And it's like, coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. The, and so if like heart, if empirical data, if physical science can't determine something as mundane as the effects of coffee on the human body if we can't reliably figure that out you know they're like oh this animal's extinct no just kidding they're not extinct oh the universe is 400 million years old no it's 40 million years old they keep going back and forth like that they're making all the the like the soft sciences all the woo shit look pretty fucking reliable so the i'm not i'm not saying i'm gonna go and get my chakras aligned but I'm, I've learned to be more open to to that and and to be less cynical about it, you know. Yeah, that's I, I I'm still pretty uh, hard science on 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 most of that stuff. Uh, Me too. I, I can lean into like I'll, I can dip a toe into like some of the woo stuff and and but like more from like the uh, like meditation and uh self-help Eckhart Tolle kind of stuff and 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 less in the uh like full-on crystals astrology kind of thing I I, I can't I can't do it I can't do it well the meditation is scientifically proven yeah, though that's true that's one of the you know that was one of the things that was like the hardest for me to grasp is I was like the thing that strikes me as the most woo thing ever is um you know it's actually is scientifically proven and I have a friend who's like and everybody who has a friend who's a good witch in Portland, but I have a friend who's a good witch in Portland. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, she's somebody I, uh, you know, when things are going particularly bad or particularly good, I'll reach out to her and be like, Hey, what, a, what's the, what's happening with the planets? Fucking what's up with Saturn or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck, you know? And the, um, and, you know, I usually walk away from those conversations having gained, um, you know, considerable insight. Um, is it because the, you know, the planetary pull on human beings that that's real and that crystals are real, or is it because, um, she was a stripper for a long time and she was a heroin addict for a long time. And there's a lot of wisdom that comes with that experience. I don't know, but she, she has been a reliable source of, um, of sort of information and insight and comfort for me. And I've done a couple, I've had, I've actually had people get me like tarot card readings and stuff like that. And I always go into it being like, well, this is a fucking bunch of bullshit, but whatever the, um, and I'll never, I like, I would never be like, this is right, or this is correct, or this is true, but it's always been helpful. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to prioritize things that are helpful over things that are true. Yeah, it's uh, I I don't want to be like the fucking, you know, Ricky Gervais, new atheists, like wagging my finger at at people who find comfort in spiritualism. I think Mark Maron has a really great bit about that, how like, you know, people who really needed help and they found Jesus and they got sober uh, and then somebody comes along and is like, that's all bullshit. And it's just like, well, is it though? Cause it helped them out. And like, what's it to you? Like, that's really kind of been my, uh, my take on, on all of that stuff. And, and, and I think like even stuff like, you know, your, your witch friend in Portland, you know, like 
I'm sure it does help in some way, even to just like have somebody who will like talk to you for a second, you know? And, and I think it's, it's, it's even as simple as that, that they like, even if like all of the like crystals and planet alignments and constellations and, and stuff is bullshit, just having somebody just sit down with you and look you in the eye and like tell you, like have you like tell them about like your yeah. shit like that's immensely somebody, helpful. Somebody. So you're going to walk away feeling better. So fine. That's good. Like it, if it helps people, it fucking helps people. Life's hard. Yeah. The, yeah, that's, you know, I'm pretty, um, I, being on the atheist side of agnosticism, mm -hmm. um, and most of my family is staunchly Catholic um, and we have this, you know, we have this beautiful picture of my grandmother before she died, you know, her, she, I think she was 90, um, she, the, she's holding her rosary. And so she was just saying prayers over and over again while she was waiting to die. And the, you know, so she was praying to her Jesus or God or her God for comfort and comfort was delivered. So it's like, the, you know, for me, shit, but for her, it was completely real in the same way it was completely real for me when I thought my dad wanted to go camping with me or when my mom was like straighten out. And I thought she was saying like, oh, if you sleep straight, you won't have nightmares, you know? So belief is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, belief works, you know? The shitty thing though, is that if you know that like, oh, if I believe in this, then it'll work, then your brain automatically does the other thing of like, well, if I don't believe in it, then it's not going to work. And then you're like, yeah, oh. it has, you have to, the placebo effect is very fragile. As soon as you are aware of the placebo, then it destroys, it, it shatters the whole illusion. Yeah. Right. So it's, 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 it's a very delicate, um, kind of thing. Um, what works for you? What, what, um, delusions are you still clinging on to for comfort? I mean, honestly, like I, um, I've tried to, tried to stop thinking, tried to just to get away from thinking this or thinking that, or believing in this or believing in that. And to have, to try to have like, just like a purely physical moment where I'm like just sitting on the toilet, petting my cat. Mm -hmm. That's all that's going on. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do today or how I'm going to fix this problem or how I'm going to fix this relationship or how I'm going to get through this next writing project or the, the jokes I'm going to tell tonight just to be immersed in the physical sensation of my, my cat very soft. She has fur like a bunny you know, and to just be petting my cat and, and to love her and know that she loves me and had the, the physical sensation of her fur going through my fingers or like the playing with my dog and, 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 you know, think solely about her, not think that, oh, my life has been better than most, or I'm, I'm lucky or the good things in my life are a result of hard work to just, to get away from the, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think language and cognition has failed us that the i think the most some of the most important things uh, about the human experience are inexpressible that we've um i mean we we have a word for them you know the the sublime you know the things that we can't and then you know there's all these words that pop up in other languages where they're you know they're dealing with um you know schadenfreude or you know these other sort of specific emotions and with each one of those that we um 
that English poaches from another lang comprehension. So the, um, you know, it, it, it sounds a little neat or a little pat, but you know, the, the like, don't die wondering thing of it's like, well, no, don't die wondering, live wondering, accept that you'll never know the answer and accept that our role as human beings is, is, is to wonder. And so don't, don't count on, um, all the, you know, all the columns zeroing out at the end in order for you to be able to get to sleep at night instead, just, you know, look at your dog and be like, wow, this is crazy that we found another animal that now we've, humanity has has needed this other animal so much for so long that we've bred them selectively where the one trait that unites all dogs across all breeds is their desire for human companionship mm -hmm. and we've we've create created this creature where their their role is just to love us and to be loved by us that's the only thing that dogs really want and really need and and you just you give them love and that's it there there's your answer right there you know so i um what i'm trying to tell you is i'm a bitter lonely old man who can only feel understood with his cat and his dog <laughs> fair enough i mean you know animals work if nothing else does and like that's that's really the thing i i do remember specifically one time when i was so i've been working in in pet care um I'm kind of I'm trying to transition out of that, but like I've been walking dogs and you know doing pet sitting, cat sitting, blah blah blah. Right. Uh, for a while, I was working at a dog daycare. It was like a boarding thing, um, and they just had this big uh, concrete floored room where all the dogs would run around and shit on the floor and hump each other. And it was my job to just kind of like make sure that they stay alive, you know, like make sure like break up the fights and and like keep them like clean and like clean up everything and, and, and just sort of manage them. Right. And I remember thinking like, you know, this once upon a time would have been my dream job to be like literally covered in dogs, you know? And, and I was, I was sitting on like, they had these little benches and I was sitting and like the dogs, like so they sort of like all corral around you because like that's what they do that they're like oh that's the person okay well, we're gonna imprint on them and i was like literally covered in dogs and i was still just like i don't want to be alive you know and like that was i remember marking that as just like okay this is about as bad as you can possibly feel like you really need to fucking you need to, you need, something has to change here. You need to get out of this because this is not good. If you are in a mental space where having a bunch of dogs on you and like looking at you adoringly is not doing anything for you, you really need help. And so that was, that was like a big wake up call. But also the scenario, the scenario you've described, it, it reminded me of, you know, that the parable of, of you know, there are, um, you know, six men, you know, in a jail, in a, in a cell block and five of them are the dregs of humanity, murderers, rapists, child molesters, like the, the worst of the worst. But one of the guys who's there is innocent, hasn't done any of that stuff. And he's the jailer. And it sounds like you were the dog jailer in that instance, the, like having them exercise in the yard. Uh, true, like that like uh, true. I, it was shit, also dude. like, 
it was um it was a shit job. It was literally a shit job. Like that was probably 80% of the work was actual dog shit. Um and it was just a, you know, a very spiritually low time. I had just gotten through a breakup and it was just very like it was just a low time, right? And I was just working at this like this dog daycare for minimum wage. Uh, out in Bay Ridge and it was so there were other factors but it was still to me just this like wake up call of just like oh wow I can't get dopamine out of anything right now like nothing works I I I will jack off until my pecker falls off and nothing it it gives me no joy I will listen to any I'll do any drug and it just doesn't give me any fucking satisfaction whatsoever and it like this is bad. This is bad. Like, where's my serotonin? Where is it? Where where the fuck is it? And uh, it was it was a very panicking kind of moment. But uh, you know, got through it. I guess. <laughs> Listen, I I've definitely had moments where the, you know, my dog, as I'm sort of doing my ADHD thing of fucking room to room, project to project, sort of like trying to work on everything at once and not getting anything done. My dog, you know, is always looking at me like, oh, we going outside, going outside, we going outside, mm-hmm. going outside, going outside now, you know, and and I always feel like I'm just like letting her down where in reality, like I run with my dog just about every day. Like she has a pretty good life, you yeah. know, the, um, but, you know, so that stresses me out sometimes. And then also, you know, this summer I was in, uh, you know, 46 year old sober dude in a college town in the summertime and it was just hollowed out and totally uh i was so lonely and then one one night i forced myself to like go um to the you know the the bar the the like rock and roll bar and i ordered a kombucha and it was like 14 dollars. and i was like man i should just drink to save money like this is fucking i'm not a billionaire you know and then um, so I drank my one drink and I, I, and I like texted my mom while I was at the bar instead of talking to another human being. And then I was, my drink was done and I was like, all right, time to go home. And I got up and I walked out and then I took my phone out of my pocket to text my dog to let her know that I was on the way home. And that was a big warning sign for me. I was like, you need to find human beings to talk to. <laughs> You're putting too much on your poor little dog. Did your dog have a phone? No. <laughs> no, that was just a fucking short circuit in my head where I was like, oh, uh, God, yeah, no. <laughs> wow. Um, so I we should wrap up soon, but um, yeah, let's let's do plugs and everything. And, and I want people to, uh, you know, direct people to your work and, and everything that uh, you're doing. Um, what am I doing right now? I have a show December 9th in Phoenix. I can't remember the name of the venue that I'm at. <laughs> um, I'm working with the rapper Bobby Shmurda on his, uh, his book. That's a fucking totally bizarre thing. Um, I'm trying to finish a record this fall. And uh, I guess I should plug a thing that I could actually like sell. I, I have a collection of 
all the Kindle singles that I published through Amazon and then some other sort of extra little bits of writing here and there. Um, I published it on my the 10 year anniversary of publishing with Amazon. Jeff Bezos wrote the foreword for that book. I know it's you fucking crazy. I know it's ridiculous. The you People can buy those um, directly from me. I am Mishka Shabali on Facebook. I'm at Mishka Shabali on Instagram and Twitter and threads and every stupid thing that we do. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Thank you once again to Mishka Shubali for being on the show, coming and talking to me. What a cool guy. A uh, fun conversation. I was I was really looking forward to talking to him. You know, I've been I've been uh listening to a lot of his work and this is like the first time that we ever really spoke and uh he turned out to be just as delightful as I thought he would. He didn't disappoint. Disappointment is a big, a big part of, uh, you know, the day today and the life, but not today, not this episode. Anyway, hope you're doing well. Hope you're, uh, having an okay holiday season such as it is. Yeah, I know it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people This is a mental health podcast. And I know that anybody in the mental health world knows that the holidays are kind of like, it's a dicey time. What with their families, what with the winter depression, what with the, you, know, you, you gotta get blackout drunk to deal with people, and you know, it's just stuff, it's, it's, it's hard. It's always dark, you gain all this weight, it's, 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 stuff's depressing, things don't work out the way you thought. It's all kind of a, it's all a big nothing. You know, and, and then you get through it, and it's fine. Spring's just around the corner. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, follow me at Radical Pearson, Instagram, Twitter, I guess. I don't really post there anymore. Threads, Blue Sky. I also don't really post there. You know what's cool about Twitter fucking falling apart is instead of just going to a different platform, I've kind of just had to reckon with my my posting habits and just be like, maybe I don't need to post every little fucking thing. I do be posting on Instagram a lot, though. So that's where you want to follow me if if you care to. And I also, Selfworst at Instagram, at Selfworst, it also has an Instagram. Um, follow follow that, too. And uh, rate and review the show, iTunes. Uh, you know, you'll be around uh, your crazy fucked up family over the next couple of weeks. Tell them about the show. Be like, hey, I know this fucking guy who talks all these crazy assholes and he's a crazy asshole and uh you might like him because he sucks like you and that's how you end the conversation you just walk away get your coat head out your car leave don't say goodbye to anyone anyway uh is that it music is by Shea Bartel uh that's all that's all that's all that's all i got to say i feel like i'm forgetting something oh well next time i'll see you next time in a a week two weeks a month who knows i'll see you when you least expect it goodbye